1: Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its mini games and sometimes other things, like in our pre show and stuff. But right now we are going to talk about Blizzard and its mini games. Uh I I can foresee things that would stop us. Like I'm not gonna do that Simpsons thing where we look up and go, When two friends are together, even God himself can't stop them. No, no, God could. If God decides we don't want to do the show, we're not gonna get there. <laughs> But I'm not going there. Uh Let's talk about stuff in World of Warcraft with my fantastic co-hosts, Liz Harper and Joe Perez. Joe is the person who actually makes money of our podcast work, and Liz is the person who tells us we can do things and things <laughs> to do. So, yeah, say hello to them both and and treat them with the respect they deserve. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. So t- July 6th is going to have some stuff happening on it, huh?
2: Yeah, I was writing out the calendar this week, and I realized, wait a second, everything happens this Thursday. Like, literally everything. All of it is on Thursday.
1: Yeah, at least two big things that I can see right now, um, like Overwatch Genesis. Let's talk about Overwatch Genesis, because Overwatch Genesis is something I think we've been all saying they should do
0: for
1: a very Mm -hmm. long time. And yet it's also weird. Um, Am I correct in understanding this? Like, when I look at it, this thing's going to be streamed on YouTube.
2: And uh, they're short episodes. It's like a three-episode series, and they're like like five to ten minutes each. This is not... You know, we've all talked about, man, Overwatch would make a great animated series, a great anime. This is not that. This is a relatively well, short-form series. This feels like proof of concept
1: more than anything else.
0: Which is weird that they would be looking for a proof of concept. We know that the proof of concept would work because we've already seen it with, I mean, let's just say it like Arcane, right? Like it's
1: Arcane, the the Dragon Age one, Castlevania. You know, it's not like we are hurting for animated series based on video game properties. Uh, yeah, and I'm and- not saying that that's bad that they shouldn't make any more. I'm saying we know people will watch them. Make the thing. Don't don't tease me. Uh, but you know, whatever. Liz, you were talking.
2: You can you can all already tell about the popularity of these things just by the response to the overwatch cinematics. Those were so amazing. So great. And I wanted blizzard to continue these stories and they really haven't, we have not seen a lot of story out of overwatch.
1: Yeah, it is. It has been an ongoing bafflement on my part. Um, and don't worry guys, I'm not going to jump on that again. Cause I know people are tired of hearing me rant about it, but I will say that I am, I am cautiously optimistic that they're doing this. I was very surprised that they're doing it via the method of like three, like for lack of a better word, three shorts that they do all the time on their own. Anyway, although these aren't by them, these are, these are more straight up animated, but the, the time is about the same as like the, the, do you guys, you guys remember all of them, right? I mean, I, I feel like I'm talking about stuff like as if you don't know it, but you've all, both yeah. of you have seen all of them. Mm hmm. Yeah, like the Bastion short, like our
2: listeners may or may not know it, but they've been doing
1: these since Overwatch, the original Overwatch came out, Mm -hmm. Um, stuff like the Bastion short or the Reinhardt short, which did a lot to make Reinhardt an actual person. Uh, Quite frankly, before that, I kind of thought Reinhardt was just yelling loudly for no reason guy and didn't pay much attention to him. But after that short, I was like, oh, okay, Uh, I get what this is about. I get who this person is. Um, the, there's just been a ton of them and they've all been really good. And the one for when they announced Overwatch two in 2019, the, the cinematic they put out for it is perfection. And quite frankly, it could have been an episode, like the things they're doing. Yeah, It could have been that you would have watched that. And I got goosebumps watching that thing. And I didn't even Mm -hmm. play Overwatch. So yeah, I definitely think that this is something they could that could really be big for them. I just, I'm, I'm surprised that they're taking what feels like an intermediate step.
0: I mean, uh, go ahead. I I mean, this is an intermediate step and and I'm all for it and everything like that. But you know, I'm going to be that guy that i I hate to sound like everybody else on the internet. I would still like to just be able to play the damn game. (laughs) Like there is that. Yeah. (laughs) Animated animated series is great and all, but I still can't play the game. So I, my my level of caring about the the IP has begun to tank rather drastically.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. Um, that is
2: the other thing... You, go go ahead, You talk about this as an intermediary step. We don't know if they're planning anything beyond this. I yeah, mean, they've done... True. We've seen shorts before, and it has never been a lead-in to a longer series. There are plenty of Blizzard properties that would make really interesting, really compelling animated series. And they just have not taken that leap to bring to bring these things into a format like this, even though they continue to put out cinematics across all of their games, which are tremendous, tremendous and amazing. Imagine a Diablo four animated series that was in the, you know, just look at by three, they come that first cinematic they put out. You could do a Diablo series that felt like the Castlevania Netflix series, which was really phenomenal. And Like, we have the proof of concept. You're exactly right. We have proof of concept that video games as TV series can work. It can work really well, and people can love them. They can be hugely popular. And Blizzard has all these great stories, but it hasn't tried to take that leap, particularly with Overwatch. Overwatch has had such deep lore presented in its cinematics that we haven't seen in the game, and we haven't seen anywhere else.
1: Yeah, and they've also had a real hard time with other properties they tried to do, like graphic mm-hmm. novel that they told us about for some reason that it didn't. Mm-hmm. So I guess I should just be happy I'm getting anything. Um that, mm-hmm. that feels like something I could say. I don't want to, and I don't like I said I don't want to like take this and and like be the typical glasses not just half empty but somebody you know peed in it mm-hmm. type m- mentality. I, I'm actually pretty excited about this. I am going to watch on the sixth with a lot of excitement, but. You know, we'll see. Speaking of stuff happening on the sixth though, we're also getting another one of those dev live streams. They've been doing these a lot. Uh they did one like I'd say in June. Like I'm 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 sure they you, did one in June, right? You I should could, you yeah. should
2: stop and say which game sure. this is for. I did I I do say, not know.
1: I thought I said Diablo four. I thought I said Diablo Four oh. is doing a dev live stream. I swear to god I, I thought I did that. I'm sorry guys if I didn't. I mean Diablo if, Diablo four here.
2: It's also possible that went completely in one ear now, the other. That happens sometimes
1: you know it's either way it is Diablo 4 they're doing a dev live stream on the 6th the same day as the uh Overwatch the Overwatch short uh series starts and they did one in June i can never remember the actual date of the June one but i know they did one cuz they talked about stuff coming in season 1 this one's going to be and also about season 1 this one's mostly season 1. that's what they're they're kind yeah. of leading into it saying this is going to talk about season hey. 1
2: they touched on season one just a bit in the last Dev Livestream, stream, and this is supposedly all about season one. We do know season one is supposed to start in July. We don't know exactly when, but mid to late July, I expect we'll get a release date for season one this week.
1: I would I would hope so. I, I very yeah. much like yeah, I that mean, we, you know. Come on guys, tell us when it is already. Uh, if for no other reason that some of us bought the ultimate edition and we don't get our stuff until season one. starts, <laughs> uh, But also because yeah, I'd like to know when I, it, how much time do I have to get this character to a hundred? Um, I've been taking it easy the past few days and I kind of feel like I shouldn't have, um, but I- you know, I want to know: do, do I have ten days? Do I have five days? Is it next week? Is it the end of the month? Come on, just just give me something, please, please, guys. The
2: other please. question is: Do you need to get your main character to level one hundred? Because I don't, I don't know that you do. I mean, is that oh, going to play?
1: Yeah, I an don't important know. If, role? Yeah, I don't know if that's the case either. I just I want to get my character to level one hundred before mm, it. Yeah, but yeah, I absolutely. Um, if if we can just start a season character just as soon as the season's up, then cool. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good to know. Um, there's lots of other questions like the rebirthing thing. Are they going to have that in here? Um, what exact form are the things that they're preserving? Like the discovered areas and altars of Lilith. We're told that you'll have those, but not other things. Is that still the, the case? Is that where we're going with this? Or have they made another decision? Um, how, what will happen to your season character after the season? which nobody has said anything about as far as I know.
2: I I actually think they have said after the season, your character will move back to the eternal realm, which is the the realm we're all playing in right now. Yeah. At least, at least I remember that. I don't think I made that up in my head.
1: Yeah. I haven't found that yet, but that doesn't mean anything. Sometimes I just don't find it. But yeah, there's a lot of, it would be really nice to have a place where we can just go to and it will have all the answers. It would be even nicer if it, I also did a post so I don't have to watch the whole thing. Because, man, sometimes watching a whole like hour hour and a half video to get these answers can be can be a lot.
2: Yeah. And the last live stream they did, they didn't make a blog post. They didn't do anything like that. If you want to know what they talked about, you need to watch the video, which is like an hour and 20 minutes. Or you need to go to a blog like Blizzard Watch, which we attempt to provide this service to you. But it's like they don't provide any official information. And that's really that's really weird to me
1: yeah we're gonna also while we're talking about the sixth and stuff that's going to be happening on it uh another dev chat video is also happening on the sixth this one's for world of warcraft and we don't know what the topic is and we're not even sure when during the day they're going to do it they're going to be doing it like we don't have a date or a time right now whereas we know that the diablo 4 dev live stream is at 11 a.m on the 6th we don't know what what time the uh wow one will be and we don't know the topic although liz here says and i'm going to read this exactly but it's got to be about patch 10.1.5 and i agree i'm assuming they they might also do some some uh wow classic stuff like wrath classic might get that's true that's true but i'm i'm assuming it's going to primarily be about 10.1.5 uh do you guys either of you have anything to say on that subject
2: I will say they—they they said this is going to be a video, so I don't think it's going to be a live stream. This is just going to pop no, this, up on YouTube, yeah, probably.
1: Dev chat videos. Right at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think doing two live streams in one day f- would be a bit much. I mean, even though it's mm, completely different yeah. teams, it's just—it's a lot to ask people. But I mean, Joe, what do you think it's going to be? I you honestly, what you said
0: I honestly don't know that I can add anything that you've already done, but like I have no idea. I'm—I'm I'm very curious to see what it's about.
2: And oh, it whatever. could just be. This could just be a recap of what we already know about 10 uh patch five. I mean, it may not have much information at all. It could just be, "Hey, 10, 1, five is coming next week. Here's what's in it." Yeah.
1: I, mean, I mm, wouldn't
2: think they would hype a video like that up very much, but maybe that could be all this is.
1: I will mention some stuff we know about 10.1.5 that's new from last week. Uh first off, the Dawn of the Infinite uh dungeon, the Mega Dungeon that's coming in ten point one point five has seen some pretty significant changes to the first, second, and last bosses. Um, the first, the first boss just got like like toned way down. Like, if you go and look at, at the write ups of what the encounter is like now versus what the encounter was like, it has been hot fixed to be significantly. Um, the second encounter is not tremendously nerfed, but it is slightly nerfed. Like, it, it's it's one of those like running through time ways things, so it's actually going to be a lot. It's kind of hard to explain the fight to even tell you how it's been nerfed, but they've taken some damage stuff and, and made it less bad. And the last fight, I mean, some stuff feels nerfed. Like they they've lowered the amount of health you need to get through to end the fight, but they've also like increased the debuffs that you get as you do the fight. So that's sort of a, mm-hmm. a mixed bag there. But the overall message seems to be that they've they've taken player feedback into account and that they've they've adjusted the fights to be a little bit more forgiving.
2: I've, I've heard that the last encounter is like 10, 11 minutes long. In yeah, this dungeon. yeah. And that's all, that's a lot. And that's it's mostly, a lot.
1: it's a 10, 11 minute fight. That's basically all about getting through the, the massive health bar. And mm-hmm. so they basically cut that in half. The amount of health you have to get through is like, you had to get through 40% of his health bar to get through the fight. And now you have to get through 20% of his health bar to get through the fight. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, but I, don't, I I will see how it actually plays out um, with them increasing the debuffs uh, commensurately. It might just be faster but harder. We'll, yeah. we'll see. Whereas before, you know, it, it's not hard necessarily, but you take t- 11 minutes to get through it all. Which always, of course, increases your odds of failing. The more mm-hmm. times you have to repeat it. I, and we've all had raid fights like this. Like I, I think the Anduin fight in last expansion is definitely a fight where you feel like, my god, won't this end?
2: Or Sylvanas. Sylvanas was easily yeah. a 15-minute encounter.
1: And and by the end of it, you're just like holding on by your teeth going, oh, my God, just just fall I mean, down.
2: The problem I would regularly have on the Sylvanas fight is, you know, we'd get to phase three and you're working on phase three and then you wipe and you go back yeah, it was to phase so one. just so long. And, like, I'd done phase one so many times that I was just, like, it's boring and I'm not paying attention and I would screw it up because I wasn't focused because I was, I was bored. This is not interesting. I we're working on phase three and we can't get back there until we do this boring thing again.
1: Yeah. I think it's a kind of like an Elden ring fight, like the last fight of Elden ring, which I have actually done. Uh, were you fighting uh, Radigan or whatever his name is? And then you get through that fight and then you suddenly the Elden beast shows up and you're like, what? Why is this here? And then when you wipe to him, you have to fight that first guy again. And you're like, no, I killed you already. Just go. Go away. Get out of the way. I want to get to the part. I don't know how to do it yet. So I can learn how to do it so I can be done. yeah, it, it, it can be really something that is just time consumption is sometimes worse than anything else.
0: Well, it's a, there's a fatigue level, right? So like mm-hmm. you, you we, we've talked about this in the past where like, Fights get increasingly complex. There's a lot of things to juggle, or there's there's things to to you know pay attention to in different phases or whatever. And for the most part, that's gotten better. They've they've pared it down. It's an, we we have, don't have another Thunder King fight. Uh, we haven't had a Thunder King fight in a while, thankfully. Um, but like, Joe, yes. why did you
1: do this? Why did you mention that fight? I had to <laughs> tank that fight, Joe.
0: I had to heal that fight, idea? Matt. Yes, yeah, no, I do. Healing,
1: healing that fight was hard. Because I healed that fight.
0: Regardless, yeah. I understand. No, no, I'm we, sorry we about your trauma. I'm sorry on. about your trauma, but I have to. I have to finish the thought. But like, there is a certain thing to say that because not only was those was fights like that complicated, they were very long, and you check out after a certain amount of time. And the longer the fight, the more likely you are to make mistakes. And it's no longer about the encounter; it's about your attention span. Uh, yeah, and that
1: gets that gets worn out through a night anyway. Yeah, like, we we you, call it chicken time. Yeah, even if you've like if you're doing everything like if you're if you are literally blitzing your way through a raid in one night and you've you can kill pretty much everything by the end of the night you will be tired and you will start Mm -hmm. making decisions that are not in the best interests of the speedy clear just because you're bored and sometimes it's fun everybody and everyone enjoys it and sometimes you wipe the raid three times trying to do it and now you feel like a jerk and everybody is upset and then you add in the fact that the fight will be like as Liz pointed out, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and if you wipe at any point, you start over. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it can it can be pretty bad. So I, I am glad to see them make that adjustment uh for the um Dawn of the, the Final Boss, stunts. yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the overall those are some good changes. Also, though, did I mention the holy paladin
2: changes? Yeah, I, mean, I, I saw that posted on Wowhead and it's so small. This is like a two lines of changes. I was like Okay, did, did we really need to
1: <laughs> Yeah, like is, is this necessary or, or necessary to even mention? But it kind of I... is because I feel like the absorb getting reduced by 20% is like if by itself, if that was all they did, that's mm-hmm. just a straight up nerf. But then yeah. they went they went and put it in and now it can crit. Like let's let's actually tell people what we're talking about. Greater <laughs> true, true. Holy paladins have an ability called Greater Judgment. It in it, it's an absorb, you know, and but right now the absorb is at a certain level. It's being reduced by twenty percent, but then it can crit, which means it could absorb double. So, if it's eighty percent of where it is now, but then it crits, now it will be absorbing one hundred and sixty percent of where it is now, uh, and that's not something you see a lot. Uh, I i i'm not a, i'm not a healer full time. I haven't, and I'm not a paladin full time. But I can't recall an absorb ability that does a lot of critting. Joe?
0: No, this guys- is the this is the first time I think we've seen an absorbability have a crit effect.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't entirely understand how it works. Um in the actual text of the skill is Judgment deems the target unworthy, preventing the next X damage dealt by the target. So it's kind of like it's kind of a reverse of the a debuff. shield. It's Yeah. It's going to bubble
1: somebody you're 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 putting a field around somebody that makes them not hurt people, I guess. Yeah. I
2: mean, I,
1: I, I you in know the about... holy the holy bubble wrap of the light. Like, "Oh, man, I got to pop all this stuff
2: before I can hurt those guys." I I don't understand how it's going to work if it can crit. But uh, I mean, I guess you're just doing a a bigger debuff? Yeah,
1: you hurt you hurt people even less now.
0: <laughs> you tried to pop my bubbles. Well, it's, it's like it's like a proc almost, and we know we've seen procs mm-hmm. on trinkets and things like that that like can crit before. Yeah. So I mean, it's essentially in the same vein as that. I think it's neat. I think it's an interesting. It's an interesting value add. How do you feel about it, Liz? Since you are a holy valley,
2: I have absolutely no feelings about it, and honestly, I don't know if I'll take the talent. I probably will. It's better than my alternatives. It's going to be more useful. But it's it's one of those things. It's like a talent I will take because it does something, as opposed to all of the other talents in this kind of area, which are like uh, this is where you could pick up retribution aura, which I'm never going to run, or I can pick up some CC, which is useful in some fights but not in a lot of fights for me as a healer, or I can pick up an interrupt, which sometimes great, I love being able to do it, but I don't always, I don't always need it. So it's like it's like a point I'll take because I need to take a point. And because it provides something instead of nothing, but I don't, you know, I don't have strong feelings on this one. In general, during the PTR period, adjustments are going on so much, and they usually don't do like a final balance pass things until close to the end. So it's very hard, at least I find it very hard, to judge changes until it's live, because that's when they're gonna yeah, have done
0: fair. kind
2: of a, a final tuning pass. And you can't tell the value of some of these things without knowing what the numbers are. I mean, if this is like a damage shield for like a thousand damage, if that's what it turns out being after it's balanced and polished up, that's that's not worthwhile. But if it's a damage shield for like fifty thousand damage, that's something different. And we we don't enti- we just don't know how it's going to play out and whether this change is going to stick. Whether this is going to you know we don't know. So.
1: But Gonna while, see. while we're talking about that, I think it's worth mentioning that uh this patch is next week.
2: I know! 10. How did 1. this 5? happen?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's 10.1.5 is next week. And uh that's pretty it's pretty late in the development to suddenly do this to a talent. Um it's not that this is it's bad, not that they, they haven't done that
0: before though. They've done no, that. In no, no,
1: oh no. I'm not saying that they haven't, but every time they've done it in the past, it's been interestingly it's been different it's been one of those things where you're like what and so that's why you know as somebody who does have a paladin alt and who does enjoy my paladin alt i do look at this and go oh oh how's that gonna work so i think i will i will say that confusion is a feeling mm. and that is the feeling i currently have is confusion <laughs> uh, but while we're talking about this since we mentioned that um we we like i said Wild patch 10.1.5 is next week on the 11th also, the Overwatch Summer Games is starting next week on the eleventh. Is that is that? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. Uh, Summer Games is going to have Lucio Ball again. I mean, everyone. Hopefully, everyone loves Lucio Ball because it is back. Um, <laughs> you you can't not love Lucio Ball because it's. <laughs> my God, I'm boring. sorry. It's it's all you have. Resistance
1: uh, to Lucio Ball is <laughs> futile. <laughs>
2: um but yeah they do these events and they kind of i start to feel that they're kind of samey but yeah. overwatch has also been doing a lot of like new events like seasonal events have been coming out um
1: yeah like season so five I has mean, got this whole fantasy thing going on
2: yes it has kind of a fantasy yeah like every season has its own theme and they've been playing with events that play into those themes rather than um you know events that are just Oh, this is the regular event we're doing, this is the regular event, but uh summer games coming back. So I think it's good. I think it's good to have kind of this rotation that you can expect and kind of events that you enjoy that are that are, you know, it's it's sometimes you look forward to things. I mean, do you do I don't really do much for WoW Winter Vale anymore, but it's always kind of it's like this little it's this little happy moment. Okay, I'm gonna go do this thing that I enjoy and I'm gonna pick up presents under the tree.
1: Oh, i've always been a many... big fan of fire festival even though i don't mm-hmm. i don't do the hoon <laughs> fight anymore not because it's too hard or whatever i just i don't mm-hmm. want anything from it but i do like i i still like seeing the holidays in game because they provide an in-game passage of time metric mm. and quite frankly with the real world the way it is sometimes i need a reminder that it is in fact not you know it's not september yet it's it's july you relax matt you know, it, it's it's times where having a little holiday thing does help. So yeah, I think it's cool that they. Also,
0: know there is. You know.
1: Go ahead,
0: Joe. As I say, I just want to point out that uh, I, when Liz was explaining this, I it, like for me it sounded like Lucille Ball instead of Lucio Ball.
2: <laughs> totally different thing. And now, totally and now, different. and now, I
0: just want a, an Overwatch match where we're just like working at the chocolate factory.
2: Vitamina vitamin
1: <laughs> Vitamina Vigimen is the thing. But so we kind of jumped this over will- this one. Oh, go ahead.
2: This will also have a new Winston's Beach Volleyball mode, so you know you get your summer you get your summer activities in.
1: Man, Top Gun theme song music playing in the background. <laughs> but why uh, was just actually since we we moved out to July eleventh because it was the next day with a lot of stuff happening, we kind of skipped over the fact that BlizzCon tickets are going up on sale in two days after the sixth on the eighth so july 8th and then again on july 22nd Mm -hmm. you can buy blizzcon tickets or you can be like me and stare wistfully at your bank account and go
2: maybe next year
0: yeah Um, i'm I'm in that i'm in that camp as well i can't justify it
2: yeah just the travel expenses are so huge i mean ticket prices have gone up this year but it's really the travel that gets me it's the hotel and the 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 flight is just Mm -hmm. so huge
1: yeah absolutely um for myself, I mean, real life incidents also come in, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to plan a thing where you don't even know if you'll have a passport. Um, and I don't want to be trying to fly on, on my U.S. passport. Uh, I guess, I, yeah, I, I don't It just occurs to me. I do, in fact, still have U.S. citizenship. I'm one of yeah. them exotic dual citizen people now. Uh, I'm like a dual shock controller, but for countries. Wait, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> but yeah, like there's a lot of reasons why travel like that it can be hard. But nevertheless, if you are going to try and get some tickets, uh, your first chance at them is going to be on the 8th. Uh, Dosvidanya and, and good luck to you all. Um, and if you don't get them on the 8th, there's going to be another attempt on the, on the 22nd. So yeah, next week and then towards the end of the month, you'll have your opportunity to get... Blizzcon tickets. Sometimes they've added a third time, but not always.
2: Mm. Um, One thing I find interesting here is that both ticket sales are at 10 a.m. Pacific. In the past, I want to say that they've done multiple rounds of ticket sales at different times to give people different chances to uh, to get tickets. So, like if you happen to work a shift that has you working Saturdays at 10 a.m., you have no chance whatsoever of getting these tickets. I do y'all remember that am i making that up
1: i don't think you're making it up i think it i don't think it was the 2019 one but i know that there was talk about that in 2018 i remember us talking about it um uh, and so quite frankly yeah, remembering is... anything before 2020 is a <laughs> real struggle for me so uh,
2: i don't know if the world existed before 2020 and it definitely doesn't exist after 2020 so here we are
1: yeah uh but regardless it is interesting that's why i mentioned that they you know there could well be another line of of tickets, mm-hmm. but maybe there won't be these are the ones they have announced. these are the ones we know about um ten a m Pacific time on the eighth and the twenty second so if you can't make time to get them but you really want to get them um I don't really know what to suggest other than maybe you could get a friend or family member to to do it for you I don't I don't know I don't know how transferral's gonna work this time too because it's entirely digital right
2: mm mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so maybe we well.
2: We don't have the details yet, but
1: yeah, we don't know how that's going to work in terms of that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But
2: uh, and I think ticket prices deserve a mention here. Yeah, General yeah. admission is 299, which is up $70, and mm-hmm. the portal pass. Portal pass is way up. Portal pass is 799, up $250 from the last Blizzcon. Yep. Uh that's a lot. I mean, portal pass Seems I've never done portal pass. I mean, I think they just did it. The first one was maybe 2019. It was a new thing.
1: Yeah. It was interesting. Uh,
2: where you can, you get admission to the con, but you also have uh early entrance into the convention center and access to a special lounge where it's uh, possibly very quiet and peaceful as opposed to the BlizzCon floor, which can be not at all quiet and peaceful. It was,
1: uh, I, I, I got portal pass, even though I didn't pay for my tickets that year. Um, the person who got them for me got portal pass and it was a nice lounge. Mm. Um, and I had a really nice conversation with somebody who no longer works there, uh, in that lounge. And, and yeah, so it was nice. Uh, but I don't know if I'd spend $800. You know what I mean? That is a lot of money to spend to go hang out in a lounge. There are a lot of places to hang out, you know I mean?
0: And slightly um, early access to like, to, to, to like, to the lounge not even the rest of everything else like i don't i don't get it
2: i do think it's like you don't have to wait in those giant lines because yeah, if no, you want you to get, get into in. the convention center yeah. uh you know there's a real crush of people trying to yeah. get in if you want to get in first thing it's a crush
1: getting, and getting around that crowd uh what and the crowd is still there in the convention by the way you, yeah. you don't get there, but getting around the ticket line crowd crunch that was nice uh, and but, but yeah, again, it's just looking at it going, if I'm already spending like what two, $300 a day that I'm there mm-hmm. and just on, just on a hotel. And then I'm going to need, I'm probably going to need to rent a car or if I can drive or get a cab, if I can't, um, there's, there's a lot of expenses to a trip like BlizzCon. It's, it's going to be kind of hard for me to, to justify throwing another $800 on the pile to get in a little early and to get to a lounge as nice yeah. as the lounge was. Uh, And and Um, there's also, I think, I I think they've pretty much made all the stuff that is available on video now, right?
2: uh, The, the virtual ticket stuff is all free. The event will be live streamed for free. So you don't have to buy a virtual ticket. You don't have to buy anything if you're watching at home, which is definitely a big appeal as the prices have gone up to an extent where it is a little harder to afford. Travel costs are up. Hotel costs are up. I mean, I remember like the first year I went to BlizzCon, you know, you could get you could be like right up at the convention center for like two hundred dollars a night, and now it's like maybe four fifty, you know, kind lucky. of things like that. If you're it'll, lucky. It'll be, it'll be more than that. It'll be also it'll
1: be more than it this year.
0: Also, like, you know, in some of the years past, like with and I well I don't advocate for it, there used to be the option to do Airbnb, and now we're seeing people go to conventions and things like that where uh, their Airbnb is being canceled day of because they can charge the the person that owns it can charge a higher rate, so they'll cancel your rate and try to book it for somebody else. I literally had a friend uh, go to Gamma, which is one of the largest uh, yeah, retailer conventions,
1: game, game association manufacturers. Yeah,
0: yeah uh, most people at home probably don't know what that is, but it's a big deal. Um, and he showed up, and his Airbnb canceled. He didn't. They didn't even tell him. Like he literally was yeah. driving. He was driving up to the location. So like, it, even going to cons like that, it's it's getting a little bit strained unless you can like really secure something. So like, and even then, you're probably going to be traveling to get to the convention because you're in order to get a decent rate, you're not going to be near it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but,
1: but you know, at the same time, the, the virtual, the fact that they use no virtual ticket anymore, like literally, they're just streaming the whole thing. That's great. And we should definitely say that that is a good choice. Oh, yeah. If they're going to charge more for the convention, at least they've given you an option. Like, at least that way, you, you can still see what happens there and still get a taste of what's going on. It's a different experience. And I won't I won't lie. These guys have seen it more than I have. The one time I got to go, though, it felt very different. So I will say that. If you've got the money for this, I do recommend getting to go because it is it is amazing. I don't know if I'd need to go again though. Um, but but that's everyone's different and I do want I don't want to just sit here and just complain about the price the whole time. The price is what the price is. Uh yeah. you can afford it or you can't. I
2: I mean with inflation I don't think this is an unreasonable price compared to other kind of convention tickets. This seems uh, a little high but not outlandish and also one of the nice things about Blizzcon is it's like you pay the ticket price and you go in and you can do everything. Like you want to get an autograph from the developers, you can do that. You, you want have to, to budget the see, time. Yeah, you just have to budget the time. And usually the lines aren't that bad. But if you go to another convention, you want to get someone's autograph, you're gonna pay more.
0: Oh, and not and, only that, but I'll uh, call I'll call out PISO on this one. The last convention that PISO was at, which was uh, I believe it was a Gen Con. Uh, They had their own separate tickets that you had to buy in order to get into the Paizo stuff. Yeah.
2: And, uh, you know, the crowds can be really bad. You can get people going into, like, the room for a specific event and, like, camping out there for the entire day because they want to see something. And you can't, if you show up before the event, you can't get in. And while BlizzCon is crowded... There are no events that you cannot attend, or it's yeah. very rare. Like you will go there, and maybe you have a seat and in the back if you show up late. But you can you can do everything.
0: And I will say yeah. it and is it, becoming- it, it, it's a good exp- it's a good experience if you've never done it before. Yeah. And it's nice. Go ahead. And I was yeah agreeing. We were just saying the word yes. Uh, and it's nice being around like people that you know share the same interests and hobbies as you. Because like when you go to a general convention. I mean, there's a million things going on. Like, if you go to Gen Con, as an example, people might be there because they like d d People might be there because they like Warhammer 40K. Uh, people might be there because they're there trying to see what's going on with uh, you know XYZ game. It's all over the place. And while it's a general camaraderie, it's not quite the same thing as going to a focus convention like BlizzCon, where mm-hmm. everybody there loves the Blizzard products, and you're sort of among your own people. It's a le- I find... And this is something that I I said years ago, and I'll I'll say this again. BlizzCon is a very good first convention experience because it's just easy. Like, you don't have to worry about the social awkwardness of, like, striking up a conversation. Well, you can. I mean, obviously, everybody's different. But, like, if you talk about a Blizzard game, chances are the person next to you is going to talk about a Blizzard game with you. Um, And it's a decent area. Like, the the, the weather during that time of year is always nice, too. You don't have to worry about inclement weather. Um, there's plenty of things to do in the surrounding area as well. Uh, so like, it's not just about the convention, but you can go and do things. Uh, we used to throw one hell of a party. Let's be honest.
2: Oh yeah. I miss Good those times. days.
0: Um, mm. but like there are plenty of parties and, and things like that and social events to go to just, you know, obviously social awareness, be careful, et cetera, et cetera. But it is a, it is an easy first convention experience for people.
2: One thing, okay, go ahead. Well, one, I do want to talk about this a little is that they have presented this as a different kind of BlizzCon, and I'm very curious what it's going to look like. Uh, Blizzard has said this year the goal is to make BlizzCon feel more experiential than before. It will be a one of a kind immersive experience bringing attendees into the universes of warcraft diablo and overwatch with massive installations art and thematic spaces i'm curious as to what this will look like and
1: i'm just going to say this how right different now it's going to be i don't need to be brought all that deeply into <laughs> the world of diablo
2: I, it's i don't know if you
1: guys have noticed things happen there and they're not good like I I've, I I think the smell alone would be more than I want. Just just as a game, love it. As an actual experience, don't know that I would love it. Just just putting that out there, just sowing some seeds. Blizzard, you know, if if you're yeah. if you're currently getting a whole bunch of meat to let leave out in the sun, at, <laughs> maybe don't do that. That, that I mean, you could skip that.
2: I mean, you've got to admit that the atmosphere, just the art style, the light. I mean in Diablo four is just incredible. It's like, they've made the game like a Caravaggio painting that you're wandering around in. But that's exactly how I want
1: it. I want it to be (laughs) a game where I do that. I don't want to like, if, if I could smell half of the things that I would smell in any (laughs) video game, I would not want that experience. I don't uh, imagine playing dungeons and dragons. And then as you throw fireball into a crowd of like, let's say Yeti, are attacking you and then suddenly (laughs) as you do that the dm like suddenly turns on like a like a a, a leaf blower and blows the smell of burning wet fur at you you would not like that that would be bad so i'm just saying some immersion good too much immersion bad
2: so i'm just i'm just curious as to what this is going to turn out Mm -hmm. out like i mean what do y'all think blizzard is doing with this experiential BlizzCon?
1: I mean, they've done stuff on that edge of that before, like the Darkmoon mm-hmm. Fair type stuff. Yeah, I think they're probably going to try and take it to another level, where you you walk in, and when you go to the WoW stuff, it's all held in a place where you get like, you know, am I in Orgrimmar now? Like where you get to see things that remind you of the places inside World of Warcraft, and and so for um, for Hearthstone, and uh, Diablo, and Overwatch, and so forth.
0: Yeah, I'm. I am outside of like a LARP experience. I can't really think of what they could do.
1: I'm thinking of Disney here. Hmm. Could like, be. I don't think they've got I the mean- money for a full on Disney thing where they have animatronics and they have people dressed up. But like when you go to like Epcot, like it it, it doesn't feel like actually going to Europe, but it definitely doesn't feel like being in Orlando at a theme park either. Fair. So, uh, very true. So I'm thinking stuff along those lines. That that is my idea for what they or the, the Star Wars thing that they're doing at uh, at, Dis, at Disneyland now.
2: Mm-hmm. Where That's it's like, pretty great
1: yeah, it, like, and you could do that kind of thing for Warcraft, um, where you go in and it's like, you know, welcome to the barracks here at Orgrimmar. We're going to help you make your own axe. I don't know if they're going <laughs> to let people do that, yeah, but it, I'm saying
0: it does sound it does sound like the language around the Star Wars hotel experience. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I know that you didn't mean it, but you said the language around the star Wars hotel. I just imagined all the swearing because I'm, I know some people did. Um, but yeah, I do want to mention, cause we, we haven't really talked about it yet, but the twist beta is going to start season two or has already starting. It two? already has.
2: Yeah. Uh. It's they seasons are like a monthly thing. It's at least in the beta, it's like a monthly thing. And they launched the first season, like right at the end of June, it was less than a week long. I think. And so now it's season two. It's already season two. We've had this out for like a week and it's season two of the uh, Hearthstone twist beta. And uh, it already kind of feels like it's settled into a really predictable like meta where you go in and you know the decks you're going to see. And I think that's kind of the problem with constructed modes in Hearthstone where you're building decks It's, you know, people figure out what decks work, and then they only play those decks. That's it. That's it. You go in, and that's all you see. There's, like, a handful of decks, and that's all you ever see. And it starts to feel a little repetitive. And uh, this, uh, both last month's Twist Games and this month's Twist Games... Uh, the rule in them is that you can only use cards from your class. You can't use any neutral cards. That's kind of the whole thing about twist is that it will have a twist on the rules when you play it, but it's the same one they had in June, which kind of makes sense. June's only lasted like a week, but it really feels like it's already, it's settled down and it's kind of gotten predictable, even though hasn't been available for that long.
1: Yeah, but hopefully when it actually goes live, since it will change every month, it won't. Yeah,
2: I much. I hope so. I hope they don't decide to okay, we've we've figured something out and we're going to do the same thing for the next three months. I hope they keep it keep mixing it up because that's what's interesting. Because Hearthstone does settle into a meta and it gets kind of gets pretty samey.
1: Okay, um, hmm. I don't think there's anything else to talk about. We don't have any other like, news or events to really really talk about at this point. So uh, I guess we're going to move on to, to the two emails we got. Um, the first one, hopefully, will we'll keep us for a while because it it's my <laughs> favorite topic. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll like it. Maybe they won't. Oh, no, we didn't mention Schuster- Shore Rider. Ha-ha. I caught me this time. <laughs> uh, now everyone has caught me trying to skip something. And finally, it happened that I caught me. Uh, so this is the Amazon Prime Gaming. We also didn't mention the Diablo Twitch stuff, but we'll come back on that in a second.
2: The Diablo Twitch stuff is over.
1: Oh, it's, they're not doing it, one this week?
2: No, it's over. Last oh. week was Barbarians, and i that was it. Oh. We're
1: done. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying ah, because I was the one waiting for the Barbarian week. But yeah, okay, cool. We don't have to mention yeah, that. I'm... We do have to mention Prime <laughs> Gamings. Uh, so yeah, the Swift Strider mount is now available uh, until the 27th. You it says through twenty seven twenty seven here. So I Yeah, see. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there now and it'll be there for the next month. Um, it is basically the same if you did the Twitch uh thing, it's basically the same kind of thing where you have to sign up. I don't you don't have to like do anything. You just have to link your account to your Blizzard account in order to get them out. Uh, You also have have prime gaming. You have to actually, you you have to sign up for, Prime.
2: you have to be an Amazon prime subscriber. And then, yeah, it's just, you link your Amazon account to your Twitch account and your Twitch account is linked to your wow account. It's kind of like an excessive number of steps, but yeah, then you just like log in and click claim. And then you got a new mount next time you log into wow.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a cool mount. It's, it's a weird bird. Uh, I like to call it that because it's really reductionist. And everyone's like, weird bird. What does that mean? <laughs> Find out for yourself. Uh, but it's not like, it doesn't look like the, uh, the the blood elf mount or the crane mounts. It's more like that that bird from uh, Mulgore.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it's the Mulgore yeah. bird.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's an ostrich. Big, uh, it's like a
2: featherless ostrich.
1: I don't know. Honestly, to me, it looks way more like a it, it It's got the big hatchet face, whereas ostriches have a little meat face. Uh, an ostrich is actually much closer, in my opinion, to the, the riders that the, yes. the gnomes drive. This thing is just like, hey, look at my head. I have an axe for a face. It's an emu. Yeah. I, uh, I, I always, again, I think it's a diatrema. I don't think it's any living or even recently extinct bird. I think it's a diatrema.
0: Uh, I always it,
2: thought they looked a little bit like plucked chickens because it's like they're kind of birds, but they aren't please. please. And, I haven't yeah.
0: eaten yet. I'm hungry. <laughs>
1: Well,
2: let me tell you there's something you can eat. It's called
1: uh, Throne of Thunder: the Final Encounter, and why you should never just bring it up.
0: I hear it's high in protein. <laughs> also, man, also high in salt.
1: Man, that fight that fight's sodium content was so high that that made the Darumu fight look like a fun pastime. Oh man.
0: Just, just you know. Now that we're on the topic. Before we go on to anything else, I really like that raid makes me have a warm memory of Maticus not being able to see the the uh, maze on Darumu, and me always leading him to his death every single night, and him not learning <laughs> for an entire yeah. tier. That's for you, Maddie.
1: Yeah. Um. Unfortunately for me, it was it was the case of my wife not being able to see it, and so. My choice was to attempt to get her through it, or to wipe, you know, which would mean wiping the raid, or letting her die, which would mean successfully completing the encounter and then having to explain to my wife that yes, I did let her die, which didn't lead to fun times. wasn't wasn't good. Uh, so yeah, um, Durumu bad, but but thrown the final fight with uh, Li Shen gives me hives. Like to this day, remembering it's, that fight makes me twitch.
0: It is one of the few fights that just makes me not want to heal.
1: It's, it makes me want to do anything because it's like the, that, <laughs> that, that. No, we're gonna move on. We are not gonna spend the entire fight ranting at the game right, podcast <laughs> ranting about that fight. There, okay. Did we cover the actual Amazon Prime thing? Did we actually talk about it? We yes, did, we right, did.
0: <laughs> we did. We did. We did.
1: Man, later on, I'm gonna w- we'll listen test to this. That's the trauma. Yeah, later on, I'm gonna <laughs> listen to this because I actually go back and listen to our old podcasts. I have a podcast app and I listen to us, and I'm gonna go back to this point and go. That's the point where I lost my stuff. Right there. That's where I lost it. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get into these. Uh, if you have a question for the show, first off, I understand that as we're recording this, it's July 4th, so a lot of you guys weren't around. I get it, and that's understandable. But thank you very much, those who did ask us questions. If you've got one for the show, you can either email it to us, and we got two emails this time, but podcast at blizzardwatch.com, uh, subject line podcast at blizzardwatch, so we know it's for this show. Um, you've sent a lot of Diablo questions in for Lorewatch, and that's really cool. Thank you. Uh, we did a good, a good question and answer one last week. I don't know if we're going to do another one about Diablo this week, uh, Joe. What do, you, do you think we will?
0: Uh, we have enough that we could probably do another episode of it. So yes, yeah. very likely.
1: Okay, so keep that in mind. If you want to ask questions for the Lower Watch, you know, just make sure you put Lower Watch in the title. Uh, if you'd like to ask questions to us via our Discord, we've got the uh, podcast uh, Q and podcast questions channel for non patrons. That's just for them uh but if you are a patron you can get first crack at a question by by asking the question in the patron Q and podcast questions channel because quite frankly you know you guys help support the site and that's one of the things we give you in return we really appreciate you guys doing that but we also appreciate people who can't you know be patrons but who still listen to our stuff and tell other people about it and read our site and all that stuff so we have two channels for both, and that's great First question I'm gonna go with here. I'm gonna just read them this week because last week I made Joe read everything. Uh but this one I'm gonna ask because it was asked by Ted Semi a little later. If you were to make a Shadow Run or Cyberpunk oh, yes. the MMO, what class would you play and what would make it your favorite? Uh unfortunately this is long, so yeah. What would make it your favorite? So I I don't think Liz particularly cares, but she has
2: played Shadowrun a couple times, so I'm gonna actually throw it to her first. Liz has also
0: played Cyberpunk.
2: Yeah. a little bit, a yes. little bit. I I haven't finished it. Um, I mean, I in in kind of high tech games, I gravitate towards like hacker classes, like going towards the technology angle and uh, you know bypassing security systems, getting into stuff. Except I actually had a huge amount of trouble playing that in uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven because I was very squishy. So that's what I gravitate for, but I'm not sure that I actually wind up enjoying that kind of gameplay. I imagine it uh, it's something that would probably even out a little later as you get better at things and, uh, you know, just kind of know where to specialize to keep yourself alive. But playing the early game, I just kind of, I tried for a while and I died a lot and I dropped it and didn't get back to the game for a while. So... I I don't know. I don't know the right direction to go. And I've still struggled with that because I go into the game and uh, I, I, I get into a lot of brawls because I'm bad. I'm bad at things and I just wind up fighting my way through them. And that does not that does not work if you're playing kind of a kind of a stealthy sort of hacky character. So I don't have a good answer here. Someone else talk.
0: Joe? All right, so, surprisingly nobody, uh, my favorite, like, thing of all time, if I were to only pick one genre of game, would be Shadowrun. I've often said on this and the other podcast that if a good Shadowrun MMO ever came out, uh, I'm sorry, WoW, but I would break up with you. Um, <laughs> it, like, Shadowrun is my happy place. As far as what class or wh- what class I would play that would make it my favorite, it would be the physical adept. Now, Shadowrun has this thing where, and I'm sorry, I'm going to talk for a bit. <laughs> anybody can Endor. learn Anybody can learn magic. Anybody could be a magi. Anybody could be uh, a user of ritual magic or runes or anything like that. It, there wasn't like some divine spark or anything that you needed to do that. The only one that required that was if you were playing like a shaman in which you made a deal with whatever totemic spirit you were dealing with, whether it was rat or something else. But physical adepts use sort of a... They're like monks, almost, in D&D. They can go ahead and focus themselves and use sort of that energy, that chi energy, to make themselves stronger or faster. They can basically become Neo from the Matrix, but they can also do things like know, learn magic or learn how to inscribe runes. My favorite character that I ever played in the tabletop Shadowrun experience for a very long campaign, rest your soul, Eli, I miss you, buddy, um, was the Iron Ninja. She started life as a uh just an alkalite. She was a uh mage Alkalite who wound up diving on a grenade to save the rest of the party. We back then, character creation took so long that instead of just having me make another character, we just retconned it and did a whole bunch of stuff where she got a whole bunch <laughs> of like cyberware and everything else to bring her back up to speed, but she lost access to a lot of her magic, but she could still do physical adept stuff so she could still run faster, hit harder and do things like that. It was just kind of this really catch all experience where if I needed to have my adrenaline up, I could, if I needed to punch a steel wall, I could, if I needed to increase my grip uh, on, you know, whatever I was holding on to, I could, if I needed to jump further, I could, as long as I put the time and effort into focusing into it. I love physical adepts. They are sci-fi like old school movie monks kung fu master type things and i absolutely adore them i would play that i would leave healing behind and i would just be punching (laughs) things and kicking things and yeeting things into the stratosphere uh but yeah, I could, I'm going to shut up and let Matt talk, because I could probably talk about how I would make a Shadowrun MMO, because I literally have a document on my computer about what I would put into a Shadowrun MMO, because we did this as a thought experiment with one of my best friends, uh, who's in the game industry <laughs> many, many years ago, so I have thought about this a lot, I'm going to shut up, Matt, go.
1: Well, I mean, you stole mine, uh, I was going to talk about it. They're so the good, list. right? The last character I played in a Shadowrun game and the first character I played in a Shadowrun game were both physical adepts. Yeah. Um, the, the last one was the one for your game. Yep. I, I had a ton of backstory for that character, and I never got to do anything with it.
0: No, because we wound up um, we, we switching games. I'd love to go back and revisit that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah.
1: But um, yeah, the physical adepts is great. Uh, one of the reasons that they're great is that both Shadowrun and Cyberpunk do a thing called... Uh, they have a different name for it, but they both have a kind of thing where too much cyberware drives you crazy.
0: Um, yeah, cyberpsychosis or uh, loss of humanity. There's there's a couple yeah. different terms for it.
1: But it's the same basic thing. That is one of the things that I'm kind of iffy on in terms of cyberpunk type games is this idea. Because like, I think I understand that they're talking not so much about just having implanted things. They're talking about having stuff wired into your brain.
0: Yeah. Not in you're your nervous using your system. Brain.
1: Yeah, you're using your brain and your nervous system as a control system for an electronic device that is not meant to be wired into a body. I get that. I understand that's where they're going with it. But it is one of those things that makes it harder for me to to like certain archetypes. And for me, the physical adept was perfect because it doesn't, it gives you, you can basically be the same as a street samurai character without losing your humanity, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the things I liked about the adept. Also liked about the adept is that they can't disarm you. Yeah they can't take away your punching
0: like they can um, take your gun sh- they could take your they could take your sword and everything else cuz like yeah. you, you like ev- like everything else you could wield a weapon but then you can yeah. still punch like a truck
1: yeah you, they they can't take it away from you so the physical depth is a really top tier one for me if i were making a kind of game like that uh, another one that i think about all the time though uh, and this comes back to what liz was saying earlier so i i, I really am going to bring it up is one of the things I like about cyberpunk when, when you 2077, when you really get into it is how you can hack people and how hacking people rather than, you know, the security system of the bank you're, you're at or whatever, like every mission I had where I had to go in and, and try and accomplish things, hacking people and doing stuff to people directly through their own implants was the, the approach I took. And I liked that a lot in Cyberpunk 2077 because with the right build, you could mess people up before they ever got to you. Uh, there's, there's specific ones like the synapse burn one, the, the one where you just basically make people's implants, start shocking them until they're unconscious. Uh, there's one where you, you pick a guy and you basically inflict temporary cyber psychosis on that guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once you have that ability, you will never have to worry about a fight again because you will just, you'll just, oh, they have some high, high, they have some really high tone security. I'll make that one start shooting everybody. I and then the fl- everyone's I... like, yeah, everyone's like, oh God, and they're fighting in there. You can hear them shooting each other and you can just sit there and go oh, looking at my watch. Oh, I like that concept. Uh, it's one of the things that if you ever played the game Watchdog,
0: yes, Watchdogs, the, the original, not the second one.
1: Yeah, the Watchdogs tried really hard for this but because nobody has implants like that they they had to use cell phones and stuff and Mm -hmm. they really overestimated to the point of absurdity what a cell phone will actually allow you to do (laughs) Uh, but the idea was there of actually hacking the people and that's the part i like about the way the cyberpunk does hacking it does Basically, with quick hacks and and you know the more the more elaborate infiltration stuff, what you have in Cyberpunk is a way to basically put a magic system into Cyberpunk without it being labeled as a magic system, and it only would work in a society as heavily chromed as the one you see in 2077, where mm-hmm. everybody has an implant of some kind, even people like there's a quest where somebody like flags you down and begs you to take them to a ripper dock because the ahem quote unquote black market cyberware that they have implanted in a specific region of their body is going haywire. And if you don't take them, it will explode. And if you're male, you should be feeling very uncomfortable right now. If you have male genitalia, I'm sorry, if you have a penis, very bad place to have something go go haywire. And they don't make a big deal out of it, but The fact that they have that quest the fact that they've said you know think about this if you have implants everywhere in your body you are now vulnerable like a like a refrigerator is right now in our society since everybody's appliances have you know wired everything's connected yeah yeah you can now hack somebody's fridge imagine when you can hack somebody's foot
0: or well let's let's yeah let's just keep that general because that might going to, to too specific might be triggering so let's
1: I'm just saying yeah i'm just saying that's the kind of thing that you can do in in 2077 and that's the kind of way i when i went for a hacker that's the kind of hacking i specialized in uh i, I went right after people because once you if you hack the people it doesn't matter if the alarm is going off all the people are unconscious or dead they can't stop you yep uh and it's not like robots are going to stop you <laughs> oh a robot yeah that's real bad boom robots are the easiest thing in the world to hack um so yeah it I would go with something along those lines. I would go with a class that did that kind of hacking uh, because I really liked it. I thought it was an interesting change of pace from other games that are cyberpunk-ish but don't really think about it. One of the things that the game does really well, and one of the things I think both games do really well, by the way, Shadowrun or Cyberpunk, because they're both originally pen and paper, is they're aware of the effect of this kind of stuff on regular people. Mm
0: -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things I loved about Shadowrun was, you know, a, dragons are showing up. What does that do to like, you know, just people who yeah. just live in a place like they look up and there's a giant dragon climbing its way up a building and, and their first instinct is to scream, but they're like, oh, wait, that's the CEO. Yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> or, or, the or, or, or the fact that, like, you know, they have to deal with the supernatural on a regular basis as well, which is something that that's one thing that I do like about Shadowrun that Cyberpunk doesn't have yeah is absolutely. cyberpunk is 100% rooted in in reality where it's and i hate to say it like that but there it's is rooted
1: no in the physically possible the physically I mean, it, possible it can yes. stretch it. they can stretch it but they can't just ignore it
0: whereas Shadowrun, to me is why i prefer it is because it's both that but then it also includes the esoteric like you're talking about dragons but also like All of a sudden, there's a, you know, a rat spirit running through the street, or, you know, the rot is an elemental force, or there is an opposing force of decay. Uh, There is a, a thing with the eldritch as well, like, all of these things coexist in the same universe. So yeah, like
1: you, you might, if you have a problem in your house, you might actually have to go down to a certain neighborhood and talk to the, the person behind the desk. who seems pretty normal, but then they come to your house and they literally have all these scrolls and charms and everything. And they just have to go through them until they figure out, Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. No, I know what this is. What is it? Oh, you have a termite spirit. You need to burn this house down and get the heck out. There's, <laughs> there's no coming back to this no, you, you are boned, my friend. And it, it's like that kind of thing happened. Like I mentioned, my first character was an adept. My first character was an amnesiac elf who had no idea who he was. And I spent the first two sessions literally just being carried yeah. around by the other players, not knowing who I was. Then the elves of tear Tangiri attacked and I kicked all their butts by myself. And I was like, "What just happened?" And the DM's like, "Oh yeah, here's your actual character sheet." I'm like, <laughs> "What the heck? I can do all this?" Yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're a paladin. But yeah,
0: but, but that's another good point. Like that's that's the other thing that like Shadowrun does to cyberpunk. Cyberpunk like has the mega cities, and you have things like, you know, when you talk about um, the main settings and things like that, they're always like cities. They're always city base. Whereas in Shadowrun, it could be a city base, and there are absolutely. Uh, you know, like your versions of Pacifica and stuff like that, those exist. But then you can also go to Tirinnahannock because that's a place that exists. You have...
1: Yeah, Ireland um- get taken over by the elves.
0: You know, Ireland got taken over by the elves and the fae. Um, <laughs> yeah. You have you have the vast majority of North America that has been reclaimed by the native people um, because magic is real again. And I mean, all those uh, you know, first people shaman that were calling down the rains all of a sudden called down the rains for real and like started to call lightning strikes or summon their ancestors to come into a war host. So then they had to have treaties or, or like all of this stuff. Like to me, makes a a richer world than just the despair of cyberpunk. Because, yes, there is that same despair in, in in Shadowrun, but there's also tempered by this sort of limitless possibility because everything is possible in Shadowrun. Cyberpunk, you're just looking for the most glorious least or most glorious death at the longest span of life you possibly can because everybody dies. It's just whether you're going to be the face on the billboard or you're going to be the name in the gutter like there is it's inevitable everything marches to the same direction there is no other outcome right so
1: yeah it is it is an interesting thing to talk about but we have been talking about it for a bit here and it is now probably time to wrap everything up and end the show mostly because at this point we've been yammering on over liz for like 10 minutes
0: i'm sorry Um, liz i will but it's all good this question is my damn sorry
1: yeah i know i i I i I knew when I saw that he would asked it that I had to throw it in there. I am going to say just before we go though, to thank you to Joe Reese. I wanted these guys to see the email. Uh, we didn't get a chance to read it, but I definitely thank you for saying that. that was yes. Very nice.
0: Seriously. Thank you very much, Joe Reese. That was very nice of you to say. Um, and we appreciate you.
1: Uh, but now we're going to get Joe to do a spiel and then we are going to end the show.
0: Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Watch. Your continued support means that this podcast and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast with the queue, and an ads free site experience.
1: Ah, uh, thank you very much, Joe. Again, guys, if you have questions for us, you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com dot com with the subject line "Podcast of Blizzard Watch," or you can go to our Discord. We've got a you know a Q and Podcast questions channel for non patrons because you know, guys, seriously, watching the show. Sending us questions, just telling other people about it. That is a huge help, and we thank you so much for it. Uh, if you can't afford to be a patron, however, we also have the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, which we do check first because you guys allow us to keep the lights on, and we appreciate that as well. Uh, but this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. On behalf of myself, uh, Liz, and Joe, thank you all so much for being here, and we will be back next week.